not without us in climate action. African young people all over the world are rising, rising to realize a sustainable future that they want in leadership, business, academia, and so many other structures. Young people are redefining community outcomes and spearheading change. In this podcast, we highlight these movements and inspire the African Youth Voice in Climate Action to thrive. Welcome to the Climate Thread with Corrine and Caroline. With the theme, Digital, Innovation and Technology for Gender Equality, this year's International Women's Day took to our communities the importance of bridging the digital divide gap for women and promoting their access to digital tools along with innovation and technological skills. In this first episode, me and my fellow climate advocate, Caroline Chelsea, get to chit-chat with some grounded young African climate activists who share their activism journey with us as women from the region. Miss Joy Haley Muntali is a youth activist and founder and current executive director of Green Girls Platform, a female-led initiative that works to address the violence that girls and women face due to climate change in Malawi. Additionally, Ms. Joy sits as an advisor on different global and regional multilateral climate bodies, championing women and girls' inclusion in the climate process. Ms. Shamim Zawadi is a Tanzanian environmental activist and social scientist who founded Trees for Birthdays, a youth and children movement advocating for sustainable tree planting and ecosystem restoration. Ms. Shamim is a United Nations delegate representing African youth in the UNFCCC negotiation processes and an ambassador to multiple global movements and institutions working towards realizing sustainable water access and meaningful youth engagement. Welcome to the Climate Thread with Corrine and Caroline. So hello everyone, Uh, welcome to the Climate Thread podcast and today we are joined by wonderful and some of the most impactful and powerful uh, young female climate voices in the climate space in Africa and we would like to hear more about their journey, the challenges, some peak moments, um, some strange scenarios, and what it takes for them to be young, uh, female, and in the climate space in the region. With me uh, today is Shamim Zawadi, a climate activist from Tanzania, doing amazing work with Trees uh, for Birthdays movement. And then I have Joy Muntali from Malawi, who is a useful climate representative for Malawi, but also a climate activist from Malawi who's going to tell us more about her work uh, related also to girls and gender uh, within the climate uh, space. 
But also I am with my co-host, the wonderful Carolyn Chelsea Manyama. And uh, she's an environmentalist and climate advocate from Tanzania. And she will take us on through the Q&A session and further the discussion on. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you, thank you. You know, it's wonderful to have women coming together and talk about powerful, impactful issues, especially um, around environment and climate change. It's something that we all have to embrace being part of this journey. And I'm so grateful to have women here who are passionate about climate change and environment. So thank you, girls. Thank, thank you, ladies, for being here and um, responding to our call as fast as you could. That is one thing that I'm grateful for. And for my host today, Karin, thank you so much for actually putting all this together. Now, before wasting uh, any time, I mean, without wasting any time, I would like to to go straight uh, to this question. What are the challenges of young women activists in climate, um, in dealing with climate crisis? What do you think are the challenges that women face, young women activists as yourself face um, in, in fighting against climate change and during this whole situation with climate crisis? Um, I'll start with Shamim. You can go ahead and answer that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, you know, it's so much motivating uh, seeing young women out there, you know, being in this space and speaking on behalf of others within this space of climate, uh, climate change and climate crisis. And also given the fact that, uh, you know, we are the most affected generation, of course, when you talk about climate change. And um, it is really great to have these young minds of women coming up with solutions on how to solve some of these challenges. And um, Young women activists face numerous challenges when it comes to climate crisis. And uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest um, challenge that uh, these young activists or young women activists face is gender discrimination. Why do I say gender discrimination? This is simply because um, most of majority of these young women often face this discrimination and uh, it limits their capability or their ability to influence their decisions and actions that are related to climate change because they are seen as um, people who do not have the capacity to empower or to, to bring change and they are also dismissed or sometimes ignored and with this I speak uh, from experience and having met uh, other young women from different parts of the world and speaking to them uh, why are they still in the climate spaces what are some of the challenges that they have really faced and um, gender discrimination was something that I uh, was really pointed out and another thing is uh, um, lack of access to resources and uh, and I think we, we all know this, we have the resources to, to fight the impacts of climate change, but these resources are limited and only meant for a few. And we put it in the name of connections, like which connections do you have? And um, 
young women, especially those from marginalized communities, lack access to these resources and such as funding, that is very difficult for them to access education, technology, which can which also limits their ability to take action on climate change. Imagine if all these young women had access to those spaces or to those um resources and finances for them to be able to co combat or curb climate change, it will be much easier. But they're really um, they're really discriminated in that space. Like they do not have access to those finances and that we can all speak from our own experiences, not only me, but even yourselves, you can see that it's really happening in the real world, in the real society. Majority of the people that are in the financing or the climate finance spaces are men. So that shows us how women are not really being given that uh, priority. And that alone becomes a very big challenge that they cannot step in and, and sp speak about climate action. And uh, one, uh, another, another thing that I realized that is a very great problem is burnouts and uh, which, which most of the people never realize or never talk about. And with burnouts, I related to uh, climate anxiety. And this also, I speak from a personal experience. And uh, for the past months, uh, like five months ago, I was undergoing climate anxiety. Initially, I didn't know that this was something that could happen. I was just hearing about climate anxiety, climate anxiety. I didn't know that this is something that could happen to me personally as a, as a female activist. And um, given that I'm in this climate space uh, uh, activism. So that really uh, limits us as young women to really participate because we do not have those spaces in, in our own countries where we can be able to talk about this. And also given the fact that um, even our own countries uh, do not, you know, do not really appreciate activism. And this alone makes us feel like we are not doing enough as women or we are not doing what we are supposed to do. It makes us question everything that um, we do and it also discourages us because we do not have those platforms where we can talk about why are we being affected by climate change and what are some of the solutions that we as young women have or young female activists have to be able to put them on the table and then somebody can listen to them. And last but not least, I'll talk about a lack of representation. And here, lack of representation, I mean, most of the young women are often underrepresented in decision-making processes related to climate change. And this uh, limits their ability to influence uh, policy-making and meaningful change. So imagine if we as young women, we are the most affected when it comes to climate change with this generation that is most affected as well, the generation of young people that is affected with climate change and women being majority, this means that if we we do not have that kind of representation for us to put our problems on the table, then it, it, it really puts us out from the space on how we can, can really contribute and give out our views of what we feel, what we think, and what are some of the solutions. Because for me, I believe, and you can support me on this, is that women really have the knowledge, they have the capacity, they have the energy, they have the zeal to change the world. They want to keep a sustainable world, a sustainable planet for their children. They are worried for their children. and. Um, 
if they cannot have such uh, such spaces where they can be able to air out their views, then it means it is a challenge and it is a problem. And this also points out uh, to the world leaders, to the governments, that we need to make policies that really include young women in, 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 in terms of climate, uh, climate change and climate activism. We really need to give them the support. And, um, and, 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 and finally, uh, Something that is uh, really, and I believe majority of us have also undergone that is online harassment. And with this online harassment, it comes in different ways. You as a young female activist, you're out there agitating for the rights of the planet, speaking for the planet, but people are not just willing to listen to you. Some, some of them are really bullying you. Some of them are sending you messages that you do not even want to look at. Some of them are telling you, you know, if, person so and so tried and they failed, who are you to do that? So it becomes really, really difficult for us to be able to stand out as um, as young female activists and uh, you know speak about climate change and be able to change the world and achieve the, the equitability and the sustainability of the planet. Thank you very much, check. Wow, wow, wow. Shamim, thank you for being so inside insightful with your um delivery it's like we can i can hear the passion in you it's it's really amazing to hear how you articulate this and um one thing i really want to point out is um climate anxiety thing i think it's something new something that is not being explored and something um that most of the activists really do not understand how to um, especially the female activists on how to go around it, how to counterattack the attack coming from anxiety. And I really think it's something that we should really have a brief discussion on, an in-depth, not even brief, an in-depth discussion on. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. However, quick question though. Um, as activists in, in our space, in our space, do you see there is do you see um a rise in female um, representation or is it still the same in equality representation um, from male and female? Do you feel like now women are rising, young girls are rising to become the voice of the of the planet or do you see like they're really hesitant in being part of the of the movement? Um, thank you very much for that uh, question. And that is a question that I also usually ask myself like every day, every morning I wake up because uh, when I look at the climate spaces, uh, for me, it feels like it's for the same, same people that have been doing it, that are still doing it, that are making the names for themselves. But we really do not have that sustainability of uh, of you know having so many young girls or young women being out there or wanting to step into the climate space why do i say so i mentioned earlier that uh, even our own countries do not uh, really support or see activism as something that is of importance and uh, and that alone um outnumbers us and we cannot be able to make um sustainable solutions on, on, on this particular topic. And you'll find that, for instance, when you talk about the, re the representation in the United Nations or, or in any other space or in other conferences, of course, yes, we have young people that are there, but majority of these young people are men. And um, 
and you look at it and you're like why are they men and if they are female then i can say this with uh i don't know how to put it that if even if they are female then it's not well represented why do I, what do i mean by well represented we have seven continents of the world right and that means that if we, we want to have this fair representation we have to have a representation from all continents and not having one continent over the other that alone uh, undermines these other activists that feel like, oh, these spaces do not belong to us as African women, or these spaces do not belong to us as Asian women. So that, uh, that is something that we should also look into and see how we can be able to make sure that these spaces or this representation is, um, is really with equity as it's put, and it's also with inclusivity, because we, we cannot just say we are having women representing us and we are having somebody, for example, from we are having so many, for instance, we are having 10 young female activists in the space and uh, nine out of the 10 are people from maybe the global north and then one of them is from the global south. That does not really make sense. It really shows that how we are running short of this uh, kind of representation and how it's really failing us as activists. And that is why we need to step in and speak on behalf of these other female activists and echo their voices and make them to be able also to, you know, to be heard. And uh, with this, I can give an example of uh, Greta Thunberg. Um, when she rose up, you know, it was great. It was nice. Everybody spoke about her. But give, uh, given the fact that if you have an African female activists rising up, you will not see that kind of support like greater God, you will not find that kind of support. That shows us how it's, uh, you know, we are just talking about female representation, young female representation in the spaces, but we are just talking, at, uh, talking about it in front of the cameras. But when it comes to the ground, there's nothing really happening. But though different entities and different organizations like the United Nations themselves, they're really trying very hard to have this kind of representation but the people that are really working for these entities and these organizations are therefore only making profits. So they do not care whether we have this kind of female representation in their entities or not. For them, it's all oh, we have young people and that's it. So that is something that we also really need to look into and talk about. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I have a bunch of questions, but then uh, I'm going to finish like 30 minutes with you. So Joy. Joy, back to you. What's your take on this? What are the challenges you see for um, young women activists in the climate space? What's your take? Welcome. Um, thank you. It's really hard to come after Shamin because she practically covered everything. But um, yeah, I think but I was just saying. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so. I think I'll really talk about burnout as something that you already raised, but in a different aspect. I think for uh, for female activists, when you look at climate change and the impacts of climate change in the lives of women and girls, you'll find that effects are really compounding. Um, you can find that poverty doesn't only cause um, women and girls to not go to school, but they also do not have access to water, access to firewood. And then when you look at all that, you start to address climate change from a different perspective. You can't only just talk about how they can be able to come up with adaptation strategies, but you also have to talk about their sexual productive health rights. And you also have to talk about their menstrual hygiene and also their access to um, basic human rights. And when you look at all that and looking at the number of female activists that are there, you'll find that we are usually, um, we usually have to do 
a lot of things and we lose focus. At the same time, we get tired and it's really hard to give, to maybe um, pour from a cup that is empty. And so I'm usually burnt out because I'm trying to solve everything. And there's so many things that are happening at the same time. And you can't really try to um, maybe address this without looking at the other. Um, for example, in Malawi, we're really prone to having floods now and again. And when you look at the effects of floods in the lives of women and girls and the impacts that it has, you have you will find that you also have to provide education. You have to provide menstrual, um, menstrual hygiene and programs. And at the same time, you also have to provide climate education and climate anxiety um, services. And when you look at all that and looking at the number of female activists and female climate change activists that are in the space, you find that we're limited. And it's hard to look at all that and really just um, come out okay and really have that self-care and collective care time. You find that usually we're burnt out and we can't really address everything. And I think um, just also add to what Shamim already said, um, you um, the funding for female activism in climate change spaces is limited. You will find that the same funding we can apply as a man and a woman, and then um, it'll usually go to the man because they have the better ideas. They're actually perceived as the people that will actually deliver the uh, project. And so with all the work that we have to do, given limited funding, you'll find that we only start projects maybe for now and then a month later we're done because we do not have funding and that actually causes us to really be limited in our work and to be limited in what we're trying to do and um also in uh to add to that you find that as uh, shamim already said that we're prone to use you will find that female activists are really afraid to go out there and talk freely change the tour you know this, you're teaching our kids prostitution, you're, you're teaching our kids the wrong things just because we're a woman and you're really, you're really trying to just teach other women to be, um, maybe to be independent and to stand alone. And in those spaces, when you are facing all that and you do not have enough funding, it's easy to give up and just say, okay, maybe I have to go into a different line of work. And um, I think those are some of the challenges that I can highlight from what Shamim already said. But I think that as climate activists, it's really important that we should have spaces where we can just come together and breathe and recharge and really just talk about the impacts of um, the work that we're trying to do and really look at, reflect together and maybe come up with ways that we can be able to cope with the climate crisis because as doing it alone is really lonely and doing it in a group can really help us to solve so many challenges that we're all facing at the same time. Thank you. Wow. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Honestly, I never thought bullying in this in this, you know, activism is there. I because personally I haven't experienced, I haven't heard a fellow activist say that, but hearing somebody from a different country saying that that bullying really exists and it's from the society that you're trying to help that that is a major issue. That is a major issue. But anyway, um that while you're speaking, something came to my mind and um I wanted to ask, is it is it that we cannot specialize in a certain angle of our activism because of the number of female activism or because we personally want to cover everything and everything by ourselves? What what really is hindering us from like specific uh, specializing in a certain aspect in our activism? Um, thank you, Carolyn. That's a good answer. 
I think um, <laughs> that's a good question. I think one of the challenges that we face as activists is knowing where to draw the line, like knowing that I can only do this and I can't do everything else. And finding that line is usually hard. So um, I think that that's the first challenge. It's not that we do not know what we, what we can and what we cannot do, but actually knowing that with my capability, this is what I can do. We're usually trying to solve all the problems in the world. And then we find out later that we can't do it all and we can't do it. And then we pull back. And um, I think also because of the challenges that climate change is usually um, causing in the lives of women and girls, we find that we can't just address one issue without looking at the other. And so you find that you, you're usually trying to do everything and usually trying to make sure that everything actually counts instead of just um, instead of just looking at one thing. For example, if you're trying to solve the violence that occurs due to climate change that affects girls and young women, you can't just look at maybe the um, impact of the violence in the life of the, of, of the girl. You're also supposed to look at how that actually affects access to resources. You also have to look at how that girl is helped, like victim support. And you also have to maybe follow through and see how that girl actually copes with everything. You have to solve the trauma. And then in that end, you find one thing, you have to actually follow through and make sure that um, maybe girls and young women are really enjoying their full rights. And even though you're a climate change activist, you also have to make sure that your social productive health um, expert at the same time. So I think it's not that we do not know that we're not supposed to do everything, but it's because of the challenges that we're facing. It's really hard just to peel one layer of the problem and not actually trying to solve everything at the same time. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. Jacqueline had something to say. Um, yes, I just wanted to uh, agree with both Shamim and Joy, and especially with Joy, um, just adding on to like specialization when it comes to climate activism in Africa. Um, I think you're very correct and right because we, we, when you look at a young woman who is in the climate space in Africa, she is not just that. We, do, we are not there to just fight against climate change, uh, erase um, um, impacts of climate change through learning, advocacy, uh, innovation, et cetera. We also are stemming from a background of um, uh, previous challenges on the ground, right? Our continent has previous challenges. Our communities and societies and people are going through previous issues that we need to solve. And then that makes climate change very complex because now it's it 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 has the small facets of 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 issues that are very intersectional so as a climate activist you want to solve uh water crisis in a place oh wait a minute okay now there's health and sanitation and then there's like all these uh young girls that need to go to school and there is also this issue of climate mobility and it's it's a lot of things so i think because of the nature of the challenge that makes it even more complicated um uh to engage and that is why we 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 need to have more spaces like this even to not just have conversation but but go further in like uh co-create models and ways to uh on how to like maybe build capacity for young uh female climate activists from Africa to like take on different um um 
specialities, but also learn about different issues. So we have experts in certain uh, areas and then work together uh, as, a, as a whole later on. Yes, that was just my addition. <laughs> Back to you, Caroline. All right. Okay, so I know our time is like limited and I don't want to waste, but this one last question. And I really wanted to really address the females who are coming into the climate change space. Now, we have all talked about um, underrepresentation in um, international and national uh, context. So my question is, do you think the the little um the the small group of female that do represent us in this international and national context do you feel like they are really um they're really knowledgeable on the climate change issues or they're just there in because of vibes and aesthetics or because um you know climate change is an issue right now the whole world is looking on it and they want to see themselves seen working on it and they do not have the the knowledge and the capacity and the know-how and the understanding on how to go about this what with that concept if, if you feel like this is where most people are going or if you feel like yeah they're really knowledgeable what do you advise to the to the next group and um then we close this topic and we go to one last thing and then we'll be done. So welcome, anyone can speak freely. Um, all right, I can start. Um, about do I think if they're knowledgeable, I think not really, because um, as young women in the global south, we really do not have access to the education climate change and the technology that can help us to learn as faster and catch up as easily as um, maybe those in the global north. But um, what I think is I've met women and girls that are working in the climate change sector that are also representing the global south and they're really relentless. I've seen people like Kareen working tirelessly to just make sure that people listen to them and they come up with solutions that work in their own context. And I think in working in that space, you can see that there's passion and passion actually defeats everything. Yeah. So it's that passion that is actually helping the um the young women that are representing us to make space for other young women to come in. I used to be the only young female activist in Malawi that was really representing Malawi at international circles. And I made sure that I made way to train other young women and girls to uh, to pave the way so that they can also be able to participate at international spaces. And now I can able to stay in Malawi knowing that there are other people that are really representing Malawi. And showing, uh, looking at that passion and the solutions that are really trying to come up with at local skills and to be, um, to maybe take them up to international skills is really encouraging. And I think that they might not have the knowledge, but they have the passion for change and they're creating um, spaces for other females to take over. And I think that is just something that is awesome to really look at. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. Wow, we have only like eight minutes. So let's go to the last component. Um, Shamim, I haven't heard your voice, so this is for you. You can start with this. Um, is there any advice for the best ways to incorporate the female voice in activism in your countries, in the global south, in Africa? What's your advice on the best ways to incorporate the female voice in activism? Shamim, welcome. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, there are so many ways that uh, we, we can do that. And um, incorporating the female voices in climate activism is very critical in addressing the impacts of climate change in order for us to achieve a sustainable future. And that is through um, like uh, creating inclusive spaces where these uh, young women can be able to meet and, and you know talk about these challenges and how they can be able to work together to solve the challenges. Uh, for example, when I was experiencing, experiencing the climate anxiety, I went through um, social media looking for like everywhere who can help me get out of this. Uh, it's scary, by the way, who can help me get out of this maze. And um, I really came across an organization that is in the UK called Our Resilient Project that really helped me out to, you know, come out of this uh, climate anxiety by, you know, just educating me, show, telling me what to do when I wake up with, as an active, as a female activist, what should I do, what should I eat, what should, like, what, how should I do my things and everything. So having such spaces is really um helpful for us and also to uh to provide the support that is needed really we we really need to to step out as a as a climate female climate activists who are already on the limelight for others that we need uh we need them to have that uh, access to support access to fundings resources mentorships and also networks because uh nowadays it's all about who do you know and uh, if we uh me and you uh, me and you caroline and joy we we know people then let us create that kind of circle where we can be able to also make other young girls other uh, young female activists be able to be on the limelight as well through us it will be um, a very nice achievement to celebrate and also to amplify women's voices really and uh, this is something that is not really happening especially when we talk about the people from the global south it's uh, of course we are amplifying women's voices but not in the spaces of climate change we are amplifying them in in, in other different angles but we also need to amplify them in um in, 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 in climate change spaces to, to make sure that we share their perspectives and ideas, just talk to those girls, talk to those female uh, activists, guide them, show them the way. And um, I, I came to realize that most activists uh, do not know that you as an environmental activist, there are so many uh, layers of being an environmental activist. You can be an environmental activist who is working on climate justice, who is working on anti-pollution, who is working on social, uh, climate uh, social justice so uh, most of the young female activists do not understand those concepts so it's our responsibility to echo their voices and make them understand and um Lastly, is to collaborate with women-led organizations. We we have to ensure that these women-led organizations are, uh, are really supported, are really involved because they have unique insights, unique knowledge that they can be able to share with these partners, with sponsors, with funders. So this is something that we also really need to um to bring out there and say like uh, by addressing all these challenges faced by young uh, women activists and creating inclusive spaces and supporting them in their participation and uh, leadership then we can create um, a more and just equitable climate change space for this female and then we can be able to say that we are embracing her for equitability thank you Thank you so much, guys. Our time is like, I wish we could have a long, long discussion because it's a good discussion, but time, time, time. Um, Karine, can Joy just like have like a one minute, you know, for her take and then we close? Is that, is that possible? Yes, sure. 
please. Okay. No, a few minutes, one minute, please. Cause then we have to close. You can see the timer telling us how much time we left. So welcome. And then we can close. All right. Um, thank you, Caroline. I think um, I'll just echo what Mim said because I think it's really important. I think it's up to us as female climate change activists to really pave the way and really make sure that we're creating spaces that the other female activists that will come after us can really participate in and can make an impact. And it is our duty to make sure that we're mentoring the next generation of um, female climate change activists and really um, making sure that they have the knowledge, they have the skills and they have all the, uh, maybe all the things that can help them to, to advocate and to really make changes at national level, at local level, and also at international level, and make sure that they are able to carry on the flags as, as far as they can. Because if it's not us that is training them, then there is no one else that can do it. And we have had the experiences. We can use that to train the next generation. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, you girls, we need to have this again. We need to have an in-depth discussion again, because there are a lot of issues raised. And um, I think me and Karen will go back and discuss on what we can go further with, because now we need to train females. Also, we need to address um, climate anxiety. We need to address bullying and harassment. There is a lot. And so please be open whenever we call you. Yeah? Now, um, Karen, the floor is yours. Thank you so much, Shamim, and thank you so much, Joy. I think for me, um, the highlight was just having this diversity and getting to hear um, uh, from people from different countries doing um, uh, things in the same line of work. And I agree with all of you that uh, this was just the beginning of a very, very insightful discussion, and we need to pick it up. Um, but also we could take it to um, social media and hear what other climate uh, activists, female climate activists from Africa are saying, get their inputs and uh, take it forward. Thank you so much for taking your time to join us um, in the climate thread today. And we're looking forward to seeing more of your work, collaboration, and just sharing all these messages to heart that you have shared with us today. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much all for following through this insightful discussion. We hope it sparked action within you like it did within us. The conversation leads on through our social media pages linked here. Please join the movement and share your input. Until next time, thank you so much.